what I've noticed with the homegrown players that you mentioned, because sometimes the homegrown players are Filipino players are too sensitive. Mm-hmm. So that's why they get frustrated or they throw tantrums if things don't go their way. So me, I just yeah, I, I, like I like what I've said, I just adapt. If if there's a player who's better than me, then I'll support him. But uh, also trying to improve myself to to get that position. It's Football Friday, which means a brand new episode on Across the Line. Today, we've got one of the more decorated homegrown players in the country, OJ Clarino. Yeah, great to have him on the show. Um, I remember him um, back in the Stallions days. Uh, him and Noy Falonko would be nipping at my heels every game, um, beating me up with some late tackles. So it was nice to actually sit down and have a conversation with him because... Uh, something that I've never had the opportunity to do and uh, yeah really really interesting to find out a little bit more about his background I didn't know he had such a such a huge family I knew he came from a from a footballing family um, but nice to see how that sort of forged his um, competitive spirit and his drive and his passion for the game uh, and obviously that's that's manifested in, in itself in, in how he plays the game and um, you know, other little tidbits around him, who, considering he was going to retire this year, you know, I, mm. didn't, I didn't really realise that, and, and his woes with some of the injury problems that he's had during the course of his career. So, uh, yeah, real broad spectrum and uh, uh, different avenues that he takes us in this interview. But it was nice to sit down and talk with, um, like you said, a, a well-decorated homegrown talent. Yeah, you know, it's been uh, eight years since sort of that change in Philippine football where a lot of foreign-based stars came over and really uplifted the standard of the game and he's been riding that wave and you get an opportunity to really dive into that experience for him. If you like this episode, please do subscribe on YouTube, Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. Look for us on social media, on Facebook, Instagram and on Twitter. And without further ado, here's our episode with OJ Clarino. We've got OJ Clarino on Across the Line today. How's it going, OJ? Okay lang. I'm fine. Tired after training this uh, morning. Morning training with Kaya, your new club. Um, yeah. And you're joining us from Antipolo, right? Yeah. From Antipolo. How's it feel? Um, getting ready for this uh, new season as of the moment. Masaya. Uh, happy. Uh, I wasn't really expecting uh, a call from Coach Hoshi. So everything was just very sudden, so, but in a happy way. So really happy for the opportunity, thanks to Coach Oshide and the Kaya management. So it's an exciting opportunity for you. Now, Chris, you know OJ quite a bit. Um, I assume you've played with him, and uh, you've got an opportunity to see him from the sidelines as well. Uh, how's it feel to be um, here speaking with OJ Clarino today? <laughs> yeah, I think um, when I first came, I first met OJ or came across OJ when uh, I was I think playing with the, Kaya. Yeah, or I think yeah. in the national team. Yeah, I think we've been in a few stints, haven't you? We've been, been involved okay. with the national team. Against um, LA Galaxy? I think that's the first time I've oh, oh, right, okay. Yeah, right, okay. Well, I've, do you know what? I completely forgot about that. Um, <laughs> so okay. you, you were, you, yeah, you were in the squad for that. For that game, so that would have been what, 2011? 11. 11? Yeah. yeah. 
Okay, so you, re you remember that one. I, 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 that had completely passed me by. So you, you must yeah. be pretty young, though, for that particular camp. Yeah, I was actually 21 back then. So I was just trying to, more on trying to learn from you guys, the senior players, trying to get what I can learn, get some information, learn how to play more at a higher level that junior yeah. time. Because obviously you would have been, I'm assuming you're still in college at that time, right? Yeah. I was still in UST that time. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, sorry, sorry, I completely forgot about that one. Um, <laughs> it's okay. I was, yeah, it was, uh, I think I must have been there for around, I must say seven to 10 days, something like that. I moved for, to four different hotels yeah. in, that, in that period. Um, and obviously the whirlwind of, of playing against David Beckham. Will be yeah. <laughs> they know that, that, that obviously had played with my, played with my memory of that, of that time. So I apologize for that. No, it's okay. Um, I remember my, my, because you were the only one who passed me the ball that time. Oh, really? Yeah. It was probably just. <laughs> a few times. It, was, it was probably intended for someone else. So don't don't uh, don't don't treat that as me me being hospitable in any way. Um, but no, I, I remember. If I'm being quite frank, the the first real, a sort of hardened memory of of OJ was being in that Stallions team, um, and playing against you know yourself. Yeah. Um, Noi, Falonko, um, yeah, Falonko, and um, just feeling as though that group. I think also the the year we won the cup. That was for me the best Stallions team that that that, that you guys had. So that would have been two thousand fifteen. And I just remember, obviously, like you had quite a tough physical presence um, in general. I mean, you had you know Jordan Minter on that team. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yes, Simone Rotter. So yes, you had some good players, but but you, yourself and Noy, I found um, sort of young, uh, hungry. Um, I, I want to say violent, a little bit violent uh, in in many ways, and, and and probably quite a good representation of of what that Stallions team was at that time. Just hardworking, industrious, but but could play as well. You know, that, that I think that was something that was quite overlooked with Ernie's team at that time. Was they had some players, they 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 could play. And, yeah. um, you know, that was, that was really the, that's in my mind, that's, that's how I see you. I mean, obviously, I coached against you, you and you're in different teams. Um, aside from that, but my probably most um, vivid memory of, of OJ was, was being a, a, a real uh, mainstay of that really vibrant Stallions team back in the sort of mid, mid two, yeah, 2015, 2016 era. Yeah. One of the reasons why I was really excited to get OJ on uh, the show is because um, it's flown by, hasn't it? Your, your eight, last eight years of your career, right? We've had an opportunity to really watch you grow up as a footballer. And you're one of the homegrown players who's had some of the most experience playing in continental football, right? You've played in the Singapore Cup. You played yeah. in AFC Cup. You played in yes. Champions League um, qualifying. So you've had an opportunity to take in this experience and get an opportunity to play with some of the best uh, Filipino uh, players based from abroad who have come in and plied their trade with teams like Global and Stallion and, um, and also foreign players who have come in and, and boosted um, the squad. So uh, I've, I've been really, really interested to find out like sort of your experiences of playing in continental football and how drastically you've changed from 21-year-old excited that Chris Greatwich is passing you the ball at an a LA Galaxy game <laughs> to who you are today. Um, new player for Kaya FC, you're looking to take on the challenge of 
securing qualifications into the Champions League. I mean, it's been quite a journey. What has that been like? Uh, I don't know. It's full of up and ups and downs. Um, of course, I'm. I still want to to play and prove myself and be part of the national team. Although the opportunity doesn't come, but you know, I'm, I I always keep myself up uh, positive, uh, optimistic with everything that's happening. And then on the topic of playing outside, well, the more you play outside, the more you the more you change your game. So when I was young, I was always running. Uh, I always want the ball in, the, uh, in front of me because, because, yeah, that was my strength, my speed that time. But as I grow older, you, you, you remember that the basics are very important. So the first touch, even your second touch after you control the ball, the technique, the quick decision-making. So maybe around 24. 20, when I was 25, 26, I started doing a lot of extra, extra focusing more, a lot of, a lot of basic training, just passing the ball on the wall, juggling, uh, juggling, and then setting up my second touch, things like that. And then, yeah, and then after that, I felt like I improved, so I became more calm. I can time my, I can time my runs better. Compared before, where I just run for ninety minutes like a, parang like a horse with a, shade, parang shade society. But I I can never change my aggressiveness because I don't know. I'm a very competitive person, so I'm always not violent, but more aggressive. Just aggressive. Just uh, that's my style of play: attacking or defending. I just like I go all out in a, I'm not sure if it's in a smart way, but always trying to win the ball, first ball, second ball, whatever happens. I, I would, I would beg, I would beg to, I would beg to differ. Uh, that is, I've got many scars from Stanley's <laughs> games where the ball was long gone, and uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think uh, that's why I said the violent streak is, is very prevalent amongst. The yourself and uh, Mr. Falonka. <laughs> yeah, but that's my way of like showing respect to my opponent because I don't mm. want to play soft. Because especially knowing if your opponent is a very good player, and technically I know that he's a, a lot better than me, so that's where I try to try to win my game, my one-on-one -on -one games by playing harder than the opponent. <laughs> I don't know, that's just you could have You could have just shook my hand. You could have showed me some respect <laughs> by maybe shaking my hand or asking yeah, for but, a picture afterwards, but okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's, but, that's fine. But, but I'm quite interested, OJ. No, yeah, I, I, I appreciate that. I'm only, I'm only kidding you. But um, I, I want to sort of unpack that a little bit. So you said there, like, you started to work on your basics a lot older, you know, like, kind of as, yeah. as your career was, was underway. Like, how did you learn the game initially? Like, how did you get started off in the game? Uh, uh, just school, training in the training in schools. Like, uh, I started training in. I started playing in Maris under Coach Frank. 
Frank, the new coach of United, and then transferred to La Salle Green Hills under Coach Maro. So all my trainings were just in schools. But when I was a kid, we do a lot of like one-on-one with my brothers at the garage. So that's where I just get everything. And then when I got older, I, I know that I'm still not there. So I, I want to improve. I want to improve. I want to play at the highest level possible. So I started doing extra. If my body can do twice a day training, if my body's not that tired, I'll do a little bit of extra with the ball. A lot, a lot of with a lot of training with the ball, because I, I know I I'm not the best with the ball, <laughs> but before especially before. That's Hope interesting. I answered you know? your question. <laughs> <laughs> There's interesting thing there that you mentioned about playing one on one with your brothers. That was how you started the game, um, or, or or fell in love with the game. Um, that's sort of a, a thing with Clarinos. You guys are prevalent over many generations. Uh, you guys are well known as a footballing family. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Like, how did that get started? That there is such a footballing culture amongst the Quirinos. Uh, my brothers, they started it. My eldest, uh, eldest brother and eldest sister, they started playing in Southridge and Woodrose. And then there, so my father thought that we can save money by getting scholar, uh, sports, uh, sports scholarship. scholarship. Yeah, so. That's where it all started. And then my brothers and elder sister always bring us to their training in UST. So, yeah. So that's where we, I don't know, that's where we fell in love in the game, with the game. So, so how many of you guys, siblings, how many? We're 11. So how many of you guys play football? 10 of us plays football. Only <laughs> one, only one doesn't. <laughs> only one doesn't play football. What is he yeah. play? Or she? What is uh, nothing. Nothing. Just nor, yeah, nor cheerleader. Cheerleader. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How did you guys, How did she withstand the peer pressure? Uh, I don't know. She tries to watch. She she tries to watch games and try to try to try to analyze the game so that she doesn't feel left out <laughs> every time we talk about football. <laughs> <laughs> so outside of her, you guys have place the burden on the educational system by getting free education, all the lot of you, 10 of you. Yeah, burden on the (laughs) (laughs) On the educational system. But you guys are all scholars. Um, Your brother is playing abroad. Another one of your brothers has joined UCFC. So... um, The youngest. Yeah, there's an opportunity for you to play against your brother. Is that something that you've done before? Uh, No, no. I haven't played against them. Last season, I played with them with my brother Ian, the one in Australia. But against them, not yet. So this is the first time. Looking forward to it though. This is your opportunity to get tips from Chris. Chris has had quite a few (laughs) opportunities to battle with his brother. Yeah, against Simon. (laughs) (laughs) They were always rough in the middle every time I watch Leola against Kaya. (laughs) Yeah, um, my my advice to you with that is um, It's just make sure you shake hands after the games. Too many times we took that, um, you know. Personally. Out, yeah, personally and after the games, it gets a little bit heated and some things were said on the pitch that perhaps uh, we knew that would, um, that would hurt each other. So that's, that wasn't, that's not something that I would advise any other siblings playing against each other. That, but, uh, but, but obviously when you're competitive, that's just how it is, right? Um, yeah. that's, that's just the nature of, of 
of, of being in, in, in that type of environment. You just want to win and you do whatever it takes to win. And sometimes we would say things that were uh, not too pleasant to one another, but at the end of the day, we just, we just want to win um, for, for, each, for, each, for each individual and also for the team. But so I, I want to, so you mentioned Ian. Ian's someone who, I was, who was on my radar a long time ago um, as, as a promising uh, collegiate player um tried to sign him at one point i think to be honest i tried to sign a lot of you at one point um but uh ian's in australia at the moment T tell us a little bit about what his um what his time in australia looks like so he's there because of his girlfriend fiance i think she got a job in australia so he's her de facto and then when he arrived in australia he he started looking for clubs, uh, playing in open place, and then one one player uh, invited him to get a try to have a tryout with some teams in the NPL one, mm -hmm. NPL two teams. So there, and then he ended up in I'm not sure, it's not in the NPL. I think Itawara League. I'm not sure. It's a, it's like a state league, but it has a it's like it has a sister club in NPL one. So I thought, yeah, that, that's where he is right now. So I told him to okay. just continue playing and give everything all the time, every game, because you don't know who's watching. Yeah. But is his long-term ambition to stay in Australia with his, um, with his partner or is, does he, is he looking to come back and play? I think so, because I think they're fixing their permanent residence already in Australia. Right. Hopefully soon, maybe, if he gets a better offer maybe things will change for him. Yeah. Was that okay, something that you were interested in, um, OJ, yourself, playing abroad? Uh, was that on the spectrum of your ambition? Yeah, all, all the time. So I work hard to reach the high, the, like what I said, I like to reach the highest level, highest level of football that I can reach. So hopefully if it, it's, in, it's outside the Philippines. But for now, for now, this one's this one's okay. This one satisfies me, makes me happy every day, makes me excited to go to training every day. Right. Um. There, I mentioned earlier some of the places that you've had an opportunity to compete at. Right. AFC Cup, Champions League qualifiers. You've had the Singapore Cup. Amongst the continental competitions that you've had an opportunity to play in, um, which one stands out to you, uh, the most? I think the game against Brisbane. The, the Champions League qualifiers because the level was really different. The way they move the ball, the way they move without the ball. It's, it seems like we're, we were playing against 15 players. <laughs> we were tired after the game. Yeah, the, the, te the technique, the, the weight of their passes, the timing of their runs, everything, the, how the whole team moves. It was really different after after the game. I asked for a copy, and I watched the game and uh, speechless. Really different. What was it like for you being a part of that game? Like, um, how many ho how many other homegrown players were with you on that global squad? Uh, it was me, uh, Bugas, Paolo, mm -hmm. Marco, Mar Marco Pasambre, Amani, Pat, Tato. Um, yeah. I think those were the not bad. That's a pretty good um, yeah, number. And Dodong, like Dodong Villarreal. Oh, really? He was, yeah, he, he was part of Stallions that time. Ah, Stallions. 
Global. Global that time before you transferred to Stallions. Really? I did not know that. That's that's a pretty incredible group that of, of yeah. players to, to have been exposed to that level. You guys were the first, right? Before Sarah started um, making Beating that more of a year. habit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, and, right. And also pala Paulo Salenga, I forgot. Yeah, Paulo Salenga was there. That's right. Paulo Salenga played on that team as well. Um, that was kind of like the second coming of, of Global, like a, a different era, right? There was like a first group and then that sort of won trophies where Hoshi was still playing in the middle and um, Izuel Habib and, and the rest of the gang. And then yeah. now that was kind of like the second version, right? Chris, do you remember playing against um, this version of Global? Uh, that was sort of towards the end of my time, really. Um, like I, I'm more familiar with that first wave, the, you know, uh, Jeffrey Christians, yeah. the Patrick Reichel, that era, uh, yeah, like yeah. Abib, my, the group that they had when they first came here. Um, and then that sort of evolved, didn't it, in, in, that, in that period. So when they were playing in the Champions League, obviously the likes of, like you said, they, they had a, uh, probably a stronger core of homegrown players. Obviously, Misag was yeah. Uh, yeah, probably yeah. risen to more prominence, I would say. He was probably yeah. a little bit more prominent at that time. Like He was a bit more of a peripheral figure when I first came, but then became a more, uh, more prominent uh, member of that team. Um, obviously, Matty Hartman was there by that time, I think. And, um, you know, that, like you said, that was a different, a different group. And, and that was probably a good time to be on that team because you had, Serres were kind of in the ascendancy, but they, they, hadn't have exerted, they hadn't exerted their power at that time. We had gone through, you know, probably four or five, four coaching changes, I think, in that period. Um, so Kaya wasn't the, the, you know, a particularly stable um, as an organisation. And, and while you know Stallions probably had their um, their share of stability, they you know probably had a bit of a lull post Rufus Sanchez and Wapakanyas. Um, so you know with with Moralco having their ups and downs, it was it was prime time really for Global to to stake their claim in that period. And uh, you know I think um, I remember like you and Matthew Hartman, for example, in the middle of the midfield. I mean they you played in a number of different positions and you were quite the utility man, but yeah. that was, that was a very robust midfield. You know, it, it was, you know, you and Matt, I think Matt, you complimented Matt really well. I was at that time, I think Matt was probably the best player in the league. That, that, that season that you guys won the league when you had the, you were like Serge Caroli on the wing, uh, yeah, Minigishi, Minigishi the uh, you know, on the left, you know, uh, I think you had a good mixture of, obviously you had, um, you know, some, some real pace out on the wing, um, actually across the front three, but then you complemented that with real workman-like players in the, in the middle of the park yourself and, and Matt, I think were quite unsung heroes in, in that team. I mean, of yeah, all yeah. the teams that you, of all the teams that you played on, would you say that was the best, best team that you played on in, on, uh, on a domestic level? So far right now, yeah. Uh, and also because of the, the coach gave me a very, straight and easy instruction he just told me to uh defend hard in the middle and intercept all the balls and if you get the ball just give it to whoever's close to you so yeah so that was so is that coach lee time. yeah coach, coach lee. lee he just yeah. told me to run run like crazy defend like crazy and then give it give the ball away to the nearest teammate and that's all uh, usually matt is always beside me so even if they get Past me, Matt is always there. And same, Matt is an aggressive player. He's a very competitive player. So it's really easy to play with him, especially in the middle. 
I think your physicality as well really helped because it wasn't just yourself. I mean, Matt's not, in terms of stature, not the biggest, but he had good energy. And then you yeah. had the likes of, I mean, Nikolic was in that team as well. And I, I know he had obviously stayed around for a number of years and, and perhaps wasn't as dominant as he was in that first year and, and perhaps creates this sort of hazy memory of, of just how good he was in that first year because he was, yeah. he was pretty formidable. Like, I, I remember yeah, that. His he was really good. with Amani. Was was listen? You, you you guys were really hard to play against because I remember we got beat. Uh, I think it was three two, and the whole pregame it was about listen, guys. They start really fast. They, we spent all week working on like being hyper pressed in the first 10, 15 minutes of the game. How are we going to deal with that pressure? Um, and then lo and behold, I think we were 2-0 down in the first 10 minutes. And they were the exact scenario that we created all week in training. And it was like, it was, it was incredibly frustrating. Um, I don't know whether we sort of overemphasized that point. But that, that seemed to be your uh, game plan. Was to, I mean, you steamrolled teams in the first 15, 20 minutes. I even remember the Ceres game that you guys, I think yeah. it, was, it was at the top of the table clash. I think you won it 3-2. It's a draw, 3-3. Three, three. 3-3, three, three, right? Yeah. You absolutely steamrolled them in the first half. You, you just had to avoid defeat because I think you had enough games in hand. You had enough points in hand. Yeah, but as long yeah, as you yeah. avoided defeat, you would have been fine because the running was quite kind for you. And Were you 2-0 or 3-1 up? Was it something like that? It was yeah, 3-1. 3-1 up. Pika, third goal. Yeah. yeah. And, then, uh, and then you sort of ran out of steam towards the yeah. end. And I remember you guys hanging on in that match. But yeah. I, I, always, I always admired that, that, that team. And, and I think... Again, you and Matt were quite underappreciated and undervalued, I felt, because you guys were really the engine room that, that enabled you to have those, those fast starts and, and really impose yourself on the opponent straight from the get-go. Yeah, me and Matt were talking before the game. He told me to just... Because we know the midfield of Ceres are very, very good, like Man, Manu and who's the other one? Ingresso and one, there's one more that time, Martin, I think. Yeah, or or Paul, 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 that was Paul yeah. that during that time, and he told me to just, yeah, to just pressure like crazy, kick, kick, kick them if you want, or just don't let them turn. So that yeah, that's what we did in the middle, and and attack them on counter attacks because that time Misak was, uh, Misak, the 2016 was really. He was really good. I don't know. Every time he kicks the ball, it, it ends up in the... <laughs> I, was, I was actually a little bit late to this call. I was stuck watching 2016 highlights of OJ Clarino. You did a little bit more than just aggress the ball. You, know, you, were, you were good on the ball as well. You were making runs in behind. You were setting up goals. But yeah, there was definitely a lot of aggression though. Like um, that game in particular that you were speaking of. Yeah. Highlight was, I think, maybe two, three clips of you taking the ball away from a player and the player putting their hands up, looking at the referee, like, hey, man, you just came in, need me on the thigh, or took out a little bit on my heel, but everything was clean. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's quite fascinating when you look back at your career at so many interesting players that you played with, right? I mean, yeah. Chris mentioned a while ago just some of the players there. There was also Dennis Villanueva that you played with. And then let's start there, actually, with Global, the best team that you've played on. Who did you learn from the most in that setup? That 2016 team? Yeah. Uh, a lot 
a lot, a lot. Eh. Uh, like for example, Milan. Milan always tells me where to position myself, especially during training. He teaches me where to position myself, where, who to pressure, if I go or stay. Um, same with Pat. Pat always, especially uh, Pat, because he's the keeper. He sees everything, so he also guides me where to position myself. Matt as well. So, but mostly between me and Matt, usually I let Matt attack because he's really good in supporting the attack. And then, yeah, I've learned a lot of things with different players because. Yeah, like what I said, I'm not I'm not the best player, but I try to adapt to every situation if I know my limits. So uh, I always try to do my job, my job for the team. So yeah, so you play a lot of midfield for Global, right? Yeah, so I got a lot of guidance through my teammates, hmm. uh, mostly all of them, Misak, every everyone, Omid, especially Omid also. Omid supports uh, us a lot. I forgot Omid was part of that global yeah. squad. Man, you guys had a, an interesting mix going on over there. But you played also right wing. You also played right back. What's your posi- per, um, back, left wing. position? Left wing. Left uh, yeah. Back. Yeah. Uh, so I started in college. I was playing as a striker, even in Sea Games before. You got the golden boot in US in UAP, right? No, never. I no, never, never won the golden golden boot. Yeah. Okay. It was Jingoyo always. Jingoyo or Janjan. Or Melisa, right. Yeah. So I started playing as a striker. Uh, my first season, I was playing as a striker and then played as a right wing or left wing. And then 2012 UFL Cup, they played me as a left back. And then, yeah, 2013 in Pachanga, I played all season on the left. 2014, random positions again, midfield, striker, both wings, and left back. And then 2015, that's where Coach Ernie started using me in the middle, mm-hmm. uh, behind the striker, and then behind Jordan. One more player, Jordan, very good player. It's very easy to play with. Mm. And then 2016, yeah, that's where I usually cover the players who are suspended. So if, for example, if Sato is not in the lineup, they usually put me on the left or on the right. Or I played one time in center as a center back. What? Yeah. Okay. I was about to say that, you, okay, so you've, you've covered every position except for center back and goalie. But I guess it's just goalie that you haven't played. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, I guess I'm a utility guy. <laughs> how do you? What's the what's the mindset there? Like when you're, and how do how do you even adapt to different roles? Right, there are players that will complain yeah. and throw a fit if you take them out of their central <laughs> role, if you take them out of their preferred spot. But um, how come you don't seem to ever have a complaint about being deployed all over the pitch? I don't know. I just enjoy playing. So as, as long as I play, I don't mind playing and helping the team inside the field. So if that's where I should be playing in that game to help the team, then yeah, then I'll do it. That's right. what I always tell myself. Of course, sometimes I'm frustrated because I want to play my natural position. But I know if I get frustrated, I won't play 
I won't be able to focus in the game. So I quickly changed my mindset and focus straight. Uh, just quite recently, I had an opportunity to, to speak with uh, Patrick Dato. Uh, Patrick is in uh, Supanburi at the moment, another yeah. one of those homegrown players that you mentioned earlier that you played with uh, in Global. And um, one thing that we were able to speak about was the mentality of being able to uh, continuously be working on yourself, always be growing, always be progressing. Um, and I feel like that's been a stumbling block for a lot of homegrown players. Um, ever since the time that more foreign-based Filipinos came back and more foreigners got involved in the game. Like, there was a lot of homegrown yeah. players that were complaining that they weren't getting the proper opportunities or not assimilating well to the new level. Um, how did you find that transition? Because that, that felt like a very important moment in Philippine football. How did you navigate that path and that new challenge of having to raise your game to this new standard? Oh, wait now. Uh, what I noticed with the homegrown players that you mentioned, because sometimes the homegrown players are Filipino players are too sensitive, mm -hmm. so that's why they get frustrated or they throw tantrums if things don't go their way. So me, I just yeah, I, I, like I like what I've said, I just adapt. If, if there's a player who's better than me, then I'll support him. But uh, also trying to improve myself to, to get that position like that. So always try to find ways to improve yourself. If you have, that's why if you, very important is the individual training for me. That's where I improved a lot. So because I've had a lot of situations where these players are chosen over me so but i don't mind because i know their level is really far from me so what i do is i train i train serious during training and then recover and then do extra always doing extra mm. to reach that level so yeah i think there's no secret just do extra to just hard work all hard work that's interesting because what I hear is mostly like, you know, you have to have that, um, I suppose that humility to accept that maybe somebody is better than you. And it's yeah. for reasons that are not, how should you say, um, malicious yeah, it's because yeah. the guy's better. Right. Yeah. So then you have to channel your energy now, parang in bisna, uh, life is unfair. It's like, yeah. I gotta find ways to bridge that gap. Um, yeah. and that's interesting because you know, your mindset that you speak of that way and, and Patrick's is similar in that you have to be mentally strong, especially when you're being Eddie. criticized and him being a goalkeeper, obviously he's had some, some, some tough moments where people will, will look at you and think and, and throw a lot of criticism your way. And you have to be willing to get back up and, and prove yourself. Right. And yeah. that's a, that's a tough one. You know, a, a lot of um, homegrown players are going to have to go through that challenge. And um, a lot of, culture shock as well as you mentioned there's a lot of sensitivity with regards to filipinos and the teams that you were part of were notoriously vocal the yeah. players were notoriously uh famous for shouting at each other during matches and being rough with one <laughs> um so was that strange for you living in that environment for the first time uh not really because i expected it already 
because especially knowing the personality of each individual in the team, you know, all of them are very competitive. All of them doesn't want to lose. So there will be, there will be a time that someone will shout at you, especially if you commit a simple mistake because everyone's, everyone's a perfectionist and everyone doesn't want to lose. So that's normal. I was expecting it already. So it didn't bother me actually. <laughs> Chris, is this a type of mindset do you think that is, is, is familiar to you or more prevalent or less prevalent with the homegrown players that you've had an opportunity to work with? Yeah, I was going to ask OJ to piggyback a little bit on your question because I think what OJ was saying is right. You know, the, the, some of the guys that I came across, homegrown players, I found to be uh, uh, oversensitive, maybe yeah. that's the way I would describe it. Um, Very emotional. A little emotional and, and take it personally. Yeah. So let's say, for example, if, like, if you make a selection on a given day as to why that individual player is playing above you, it's ultimately, especially as a coach, you just pick the team that you think is best on that day to win a game of football. It's not personal. You don't like, it's not that you don't like that person individually. And it might be that another player is better suited based on the opponent, based on the way in which you want to play, based on the situation, whatever that might be. But I think sometimes people struggle to, to do that. And they're a little bit Jesus sort of leads on to that. Yeah. Right? A little bit of, and then, and then of course, what I've also found is that there is there are pockets and, and, and this is this it's not a broad thing it's not it's not a, um, a consistent thing but there are pockets of individuals who then you know use the as, as oj was alluding to that you know oh he likes this player more because he's feel british or and we had it before you know the coach is german so he likes to feel germans you know that these sorts of things start to rear his ugly head and i think actually if you look at it and you mentioned um two of them already the guys who I don't think have made too many excuses are guys like Amani and guys like Patrick Dayton. Yeah. Um, you know, like you, you take Amani for example. I mean, he was behind Rob. He was behind Wani. Um, you know, and you, at that time when you're coming through, you're not going to argue with anyone. You know, um, yeah. those two players were were, were you know, on top of their game. But what he did a great job, I think, is learning from two experienced players, and knowing that he has to bide his time, and when the yeah. time is ready, he's yeah, going to perform. Yeah. And, then he, and, he, and then he's done that. And now we look at him now. I would say he's, he's, a, he's a regular member of the squad. Um, he's obviously had opportunities abroad and is making a good living for himself. So this is fantastic. You know, Dato is even more of an example of that and even more uh, exaggerated version. You know, he's behind Neil and Michael Falkersgaard. You know, just, and, and Neil Etheridge is, is you know, arguably the best player the country's ever had. So, you know, and, and he's only got one position he can play in. So... Um, but instead of, you know, bitching and moaning about it, he's, he's got his head down. He's worked yeah. really hard. And, you know, he's in the squad. Most, most call-ups he gets. He's had an opportunity to play abroad, you know, and he's doing fantastically well and he's carving out a great career for himself. And, and what, so what brings me back a little bit is, although some of those players have had mixed um, um, sort of experiences with the national team in your sort of generation, your age bracket, so I'm looking at the guy like John John Beliza, you know, has been involved with the national team. Um, who else did you mention? Um, obviously, yourself has had involvement. Noy has had involvement with the national team. Uh, Dato has been involved. Amani. You know, these are guys kind of in and around your age bracket, give or take one or two years. But it doesn't seem to be so many, I would say, you know, early 20s 
that are kind of coming through. I mean, Harvey's okay. obviously the, the main one really that you really, uh, that, that's kind of managed to, to break through a little bit, but it doesn't seem to be so many. Is, is that, is there a reason, is, is, is that mindset changed? Do you think there's a lot of younger players now who are just like, look, I'm not even going to get involved. I'm not even going to try to put myself out there because it's just going to be too hard because the, the, the level is, 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 and the gap is too big now. I'm not sure because I, what I noticed in Kaya, all the, the Kaya younger boys are trying to push themselves to reach their own dream. That's uh, being part of the national team playing outside. So I think the mindset has changed a bit, but also because of the help of the coaching staff. The coaching, coaching staff shows trust with, with the players, to the players. So I think the more trust the staff gives the the more confidence the player has so right now uh what i've noticed in the team is i think the local the local young boys are doing really well in terms of their mindset all of them are very positive so hopefully hopefully same with same goes with other players other young players in other teams and who, and who do you see who could potentially break through, do you think? Obviously, I mentioned Harvey. I mean, JB Belong has been floating around for a long time. I'd love to see him kind of make that breakthrough. <laughs> yeah. But, but who, who, else, who else have you seen who you think have that sort of mentality who could potentially break through, whether to be, you know, make, make a real challenge at the, at the PFL level or potentially break through into the national team at some stage? Oh, so I, I can see, yeah. Uh, example, Harvey, he's there because he's fast, he's long, he's tall. He can play different position. I think Amita Nanok has a chance because he's very technical. Although he's small, but he uses his size really well. Uh, he's a smart player. Also, also Odi. I can see Odi. Also, hopefully he gets a break. So, because he's also there, he's very he's technical. The only thing he lacks is, I think, experience, which is what other player has. But his skill sets are there. I, I think once he gets his break, he will get the opportunity. Who else? Janjan Jan, Jan also. I think Janjan, hopefully he gets his call up soon. He's really, I played with him, trained with him last season, and he's really good, really different. He's finishing his... Uh, for a for a homegrown player, his technique is. I think he can play outside. That's what I want to say. That's <laughs> quite interesting that you mentioned Jan Jan. You know, yeah. um, he's been your on again, off again teammate for for quite some time, right? You've got a bit of a, a love story with with Stallion Football Club. <laughs> you've 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 joined them and left them on yeah. three separate occasions. Tell me tell me about that relationship a little bit and why it uh, is that you gravitate and and and. Um, get pulled away from uh, Stallion. <laughs> Actually, I'm very thankful with Stallion with, with Coach Ernie because the my first season, he yeah he invited me to join, so I joined, and then I noticed that uh, I won't be able to get any playing time for next season, especially Rufus. The Balot was playing really well, and then the Koreans. So I talked to him, told him to uh, uh, told him that. I will transfer for next season to Pachanga and hopefully I can get back if I, if I get more playing time. So after the season in Pachanga, I played, I played well. That's where Coach Ernie called me again or I don't, I don't know if he called me or I went to him. <laughs> so anyway, 
anyway, so after that, after that, yeah, I played until 2000, mid 2015, and then global, global approach, approached me. Uh, my plan wasn't really to transfer to global that time because, but, because the, but the offer was really different that time. And Coach Ernie told me straight that they cannot match the offer. So I'm also thankful that he answered my questions to him that time straight, straight to the point. So, so that time I transferred to Global. And then uh, I think 2017, I, I ruptured my ACL again <laughs> mid-season. Mid and I wasn't able to play for one and a half season. That, wow. Yeah, so 2017-18. And I was really thankful with Coach Ernie because he, he's the one who approached me and told me to, uh, that I told me that I can come back anytime as long as I'm still able to play. Mm. So there. So he gave me an opportunity to play again. And then this time it was really difficult for me now because the training is 6 a.m., in Laguna, and I and I live in Antipolo, so I have to wake up 4 a.m. every day. So and then my body gave up. <laughs> I was sick for, I was sick at least twice a month that time. Wow. So yeah, I asked permission if uh, I asked permission to that I will find another team. Uh, I won't be able to join Stalins anymore because my body couldn't handle it. So wow. that's the story. <laughs> that, that's pretty incredible. Um, yeah. Coach Ernie Nieres is kind of a polarizing character in Philippine football. Some people love him, yeah. some people hate him. Um, obviously, he's, he's got a title under his belt and uh, he's got a, a fantastic sort of uh, persona about him. But how would you describe Ernie Nieres? Same, but what people don't see is if coach if you're in good how can i say this if you're in good terms with coach Haney, he will have your back all the whole always he will have your back all the time whatever happens mm. that's what that's what's good with coach Haney. he may be intimidating sometimes but he's a high, malambing person he's a malambing person mm. in reality <laughs> Those are, uh, do you know what malambing means, Chris? <laughs> no, go on, explain it to me. What's malambing in English? Oh, how would you, like affectionate? How would you say, like, you yeah, know, like, like soft and affectionate, do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, cuddly. Cuddly, yeah. Cuddly. All words that you would not expect in the region of, of um, describing Coach Ernie Nieres. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's shocking, really, it really is. Um, <laughs> Cuddly and Coach Ernie, Chris, yeah. care to comment? <laughs> uh, no, no comment, no comment for me with that one. Uh, I, I don't see the I don't see the cuddly side. <laughs> um, yeah, if if, if uh, OJ's OJ's description of it is his own uh, his own version of his own. Uh, yeah, because I've rendition. been with him yeah. since. So that's, up, that's up to him. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure many other people would describe him as cuddly. So let's let's just leave it at that. You have to experience him for maybe a year or eight years, <laughs> nine years, like what I did. 
there's an opportunity now for you, OJ, to not just play in the qualifiers of the Champions League, but play in the Champions League itself and to be promised, what, at least six games uh, playing against clubs from Japan, Korea, and uh, China, Australia. Um, what is the prospect of, of, of the, the upcoming league um, that is just around the corner and you know, potentially, as I said, securing a piece of history for, in Philippine club football? How do you feel about all this that's coming up? Actually, I'm nervous because because this season is the you 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 will you only have five games, uh, so every game matters. And in football, anything can happen. Although I believe that the team is really really strong, but you also need luck. You can yeah, in football, you you will always need luck to to get where you want uh, to get what you want. So. Hopefully, luck. Uh, because I believe the team is really good, really, really, really good. The players are, the players are complete. Not just the starting eleven, but the the reserves are really well. Any anyone can replace anyone in the starting eleven. So I, I really see the team. I I can see the team winning. Hopefully. And and. and w- what do you have you been dreaming about the prospect of playing in Champions League? Have you thought about it? And if All so, like, <laughs> what do you think about being able to play at that level? Uh, to play against the top players in Asia, it's a, it's one of the it's one list one list in my bucket list. Amaba, correct? One item on your bucket. <laughs> one list. One item on my bucket list. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's part of my dream play against the top players in Asia. Also the top foreigners because a lot of foreigners, top foreigners from Europe, from South America, North America that plays in Asia right now. So that's a team to play against them. Mm. And yeah, and give them a good fight. Not just not just to play not just to play there and compete. And Canada. Correct, but yeah. not just to, not just to play then. Not to, just, not just to show up, yeah. yeah. Not just to show, but to go there and compete. Leave a few bruises, yeah. if possible. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, so if that if that is an item on your bucket list, what are some other items perhaps on your bucket list that you are still looking to check off um, in your footballing career? Of course, to be able to play outside, at least for me right now in my age, at least one season, I'm still chasing that dream. Actually, I was about to, before the pandemic, I was about to to hang up my boots because I was preparing for my own wedding mm. and I need to, yeah, to earn more, uh, yeah, to earn more to prepare myself for the future. The, uh, that that's why I'm thankful for Coach Hoshi and Paul for giving me a chance, for giving me an opportunity to play again. Wait a minute. So you were going to hang up your boots? So if you weren't going to join this season, what were you going to do? What, what, what was OJ Klinino's next career? <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, I do strength and conditioning mm. and, and yeah, football coaching. <laughs> so still in the realm of fitness and football. Yeah. Okay, I thought you were going to go off and be an accountant or something like that. No, you know, I graduated sports science. So. Okay, <laughs> so that wouldn't have been even possible. So sports yeah. science is the way to go. Okay, all right. So um, you're looking to play abroad, looking to play um, obviously on the highest level in Asia. 
next season, if possible, by securing the championship. Um, we've covered the future. We've covered a bit of your past. Um, it's been tremendous being able to catch up with you, OJ, and we've spent almost an hour speaking with you. So uh, we appreciate the time that you've, you've shared with us here on Across the Line. Thank you, Jing. Thank you, Chris. Uh, I also want to to tell Chris I was I did have an opportunity to to really thank you for scoring the most important goals in Philippine football history. I think people don't really give credit. I don't really credit those goals that much, but I really believe that those are the most important goals. That's why a lot of players are. Uh, that's why a lot of players are playing professional football here in the country. Those goals are one of the reasons. <laughs> good guy. Wow. That's a good way to, to end the show, huh, Chris? Wow. Hey, Jing. We should have got, got him on the show a lot earlier if we knew he was going to give me these types of endorsements. That's wonderful. <laughs> Hello. So, uh, yeah. I, I don't see... Uh, I see other... I see other people like giving credit to... Of course, Phil, uh, he, uh, he, he needs to have the credit also. But those goals really started everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah listen, I was at the right place at the right time. I think I get just about the right amount of credit, if I'm being honest. Uh, so <laughs> I, I appreciate you and uh, saying that, and I appreciate you um, being, having the awareness of what's going on, because I think that's something that and it's not just with myself, it's more maybe with the work that my generation put in yeah. um, to, to a lot everything. of this. Yeah, that, that really is it. And, and, and listen, I, like, like, it's like I said, OJ, I was in the right place at the right time to maybe put the rubber stamp on, on my generation um, to really change things for future generations. And, uh, you know, like you said, maybe some other people have got more plaudits, but at the end of the day, that's, that's something that's out of my control. So I don't, I, I can't really comment too much about that. But what I hope really, OJ, is, is that your generation and, and generations to come just don't take that legacy for granted because, um, you know, I see a lot of stuff that goes on off the field that I, I just yeah. don't particularly like. And, I, and, and, and it's very frustrating for you guys as players. And uh, it's frustrating for people like myself and the stakeholders of the game to see to see things as the, the, the way that they are right now. But I think what's important is for guys like yourself when you mentioned the other guys that are in and around your generation of players, you know, you, you're the ones who need to maybe push forward through this difficult time to ensure that our, our legacy isn't wasted and, and to continue to push the game forward. So um, I appreciate you saying that and, uh, and I'm hoping that you, you guys and your generation can, you know, create your own legacy or, or keep pushing that legacy forward. So, so thanks, OJ. Thank you for that. Yeah, you're welcome. I've been trying to tell you that a long time, but yeah, we always meet in the field inside the field <laughs> yeah and it doesn't really yeah if, 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 if we're arguing on the pitch it's probably not the best time to try yeah. to that. So, uh, I, I appreciate that OJ thank you you're welcome OJ Carino we appreciate you coming on the show they can find you on Instagram that seems to be where you're most active Twitter yeah. has not been active in like since 2016 yeah. or something like that and this. no Facebook because too much distractions too much distractions a yeah. man of focus OJ Carino I like it so Find him on Instagram if you'd like to speak to him or, or tell him um, your thoughts or comments or how much you appreciate him, um, as you should. You know, OJ Clarino, part of that generation of homegrown players that um, the next generations are looking forward to and seeing how they're carving out a path and, uh, for themselves and creating a football career for themselves. And he's eight years into his career and he's 
on the verge of something perhaps even bigger. So um, yeah, he's, yeah, he's doing quite well for himself. So we appreciate you. If you enjoyed this episode with OJ Clarino, please do subscribe to the show on YouTube, Spotify, and on Apple Podcasts. And look for us on Facebook, Twitter, and on Instagram. That is it for us on this Football Friday. And we look forward to catching you next time.